Well, good morning, everyone, again. This is uh, round two of good mornings. There we go now. Um, time flies, doesn't it? I, I can't believe um, I've actually been employed by the church family now for, for six years, um, other than being a husband and, and a father, it is really the greatest privilege to do what I do. Um, prior to being employed by the church, I was a, a, a peripatetic percussion teacher who worked for uh, Wiltshire Music Service, which basically means I, I went to lots of schools around the area delivering whole class and individual sessions. You know, I taught people to hit things constructively. You know? <laughs> I had lots of fun, and um, I had 10 years of that, actually, of helping students to develop skills when it came to being a drummer and a musician. And that's, that's right, a drummer is counted as a musician, people. Okay, I will say that. And when you're uh, exploring something new, like learning to play an instrument, part of the journey is discovering your love and your passion for that instrument. There's always a, um, there's always a honeymoon phase when it comes to learning an instrument. The excitement of learning something new is hugely present in the first two to three months of a student starting lessons. You know, and inevitably, there's a shift, a shift that happens because in order to grow as a musician and a drummer, you have to keep investing yourself, time, practice, energy, it doesn't matter how capable you are, growth requires investment. It's the same with anything, really. And in my experience, of the little experience that I've had, really, the greatest motivation for that growth is love. In this case, love for music and a love for the instrument. Being passionate about what you are giving yourself to it makes a huge difference to your attitude towards the way that you give your time, your energy, and your practice. This is about really looking at, you start having to look down the long road of the journey towards growth. If you don't love what you do, you're less inclined to give your time and energy to it. And if you don't grow, you become less equipped to deal with those challenges that lay ahead of you. And when you're learning an instrument, there are always going to be developmental challenges, hurdles that you have to get over, and you can't do that without investing time, energy, and practice. So if you can't give your time and energy to something, you'll find it difficult to grow, and growth enables you to be secure and confident and proficient in your area of focus. So in a case of a drummer, they're able to walk Growth means walking into most musical situations and successfully being part of it. They can have the joy of just playing their instrument, the joy of being a musician without having to think about technique or genre or time signature, just having fun playing their part. Without love, it's difficult, I think, to invest time, energy, and practice. And without those things, it's difficult to grow. So... If you don't know me, my name is Paul. I have the privilege of leading the team that oversees New Life Community Church. And today, we are starting a new series looking at what it is to be devoted disciples. And our goal is to really help every individual believer grow into a greater maturity in their relationship with Jesus. We want to be a church family who is deeply rooted 
and standing firm in the goodness of God. That when those storms of life come, we're not swayed to the left or to the right or uprooted because we are a church family who are secure in Jesus. So over the course of the next several weeks, seven weeks, we're going to be looking at some biblical growth markers, really, as a disciple of Jesus. That for every individual, there would be an aspiration to grow in their relationship with Jesus out of devotion to Jesus. And today's preach really is it. We're just setting the scene today for the rest of the series. We're going to look at what it is to be a devoted disciple of Jesus. And it's an aspiration we want to carry as a church family together. The thing that we're all working toward, the thing that we're all aspiring to, the thing that we want to be helping each other with, to be a disciple of Jesus who is devoted to the word, devoted to prayer, devoted to relationship, devoted to service, devoted to growth, and devoted to mission. You know, there's a whole load of bonuses that come with growth, but we can't grow without giving our time, energy, and practice. And so I think for this type of growth, we need to recognize that this is a long-term investment. And so whilst there might be a honeymoon period for each of us, you know, times when our faith and relationship with God is particularly exciting, what keeps us growing when times, what keeps us growing when times are a bit tougher? Our motivation, our devotion, our great love, loyalty, and passion for God. So in today's preaching, we're going to cover some ground by addressing a few questions. We're going to look at what is a disciple? Why is Jesus worthy of our devotion? What qualifies us to start this journey? And how does maturity help us? Before I do anything else, I'm just going to pray for God's help. So, Lord God, I just pray, Father, for your help. Lord, in, in explaining your word, Father, actually just to be faithful to what you've asked to us, Lord. And Lord, in, um, in your grace, I pray that you will go before and uh, be at work in softening our hearts and changing us from the inside out, Lord. That we will come out of this place not being the same, Lord, but transformed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is a disciple? I'm waiting for that, that key. I'll be waiting a long time because it didn't upload. Okay, good. That was at least half an hour of my work wasted this morning. It's good, okay. So, okay. So Mark chapter 1, 16 18 says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, I'm going to read that text to you, which is uh, Mark 1, 16 to 18. So passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. If we wanted to simply capture what a disciple is, then this example we have of Jesus calling Andrew and Simon to follow him will help us to do that. So through the lens of scripture, a disciple is someone really who responds firstly to the call to follow 
Secondly, expects change to happen. And thirdly, recognizes it's a journey. So there's an invitation that Jesus gives and a decision that Andrew and Simon have to make. And the invitation implies that Jesus has something to offer them that is of far greater worth than what they are currently giving themselves to. And that would be a true statement for anyone who would consider themselves to be a disciple of anything. That there is an invitation for them to go and discover something of far greater value through following someone or something. But for many of us here, and for of course, billions across the world, we have all responded to a personal invitation to go discover something of far greater worth in the company of Jesus. And in responding that, to that call to follow, we are proclaiming our confidence in the leadership of Jesus, which is us saying, really, we're going to trust your way over our way. And even in that moment for Simon and Andrew, you don't get this kind of indication of doubt in their decision. Mark, the gospel writer, uses that lovely language of immediately when it comes to Andrew and Simon's response. They immediately drop everything. They go because they know. They don't know it all, but they know enough. They're going to follow the leadership of Jesus. So they respond to the call to follow. They also expect, we should expect that change should happen. Okay, so a disciple is someone who expects change should happen. Part of that motivation for Andrew and Simon to leave, what they're doing is found in what Jesus promises. Follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Jesus is saying, come with me, Andrew and Simon, and I will shape you and I will mold you and I'll take all of that that makes up you, your skills, your experience, your character, and I'm going to shift it all around and redeploy you, reapply it in a new way. My signature will be upon you. You will be the work of my hand, like a lump of clay being refashioned for a greater purpose. A disciple is someone who responds to that call to follow and expects something of change to happen. The disciple also recognizes it's a journey. You know, Jesus is passing by and he calls out to Andrew and Simon to join him as he continues to travel town by town, village by village. And if Andrew and Simon, they choose to stay still, if they remain, they miss out. They understand in order to be with Jesus, they have to go with Jesus and follow his lead. And this point, that reminds me a little bit of Abraham. You know, God calls Abraham to go to a land that he's never been to. And what he doesn't know at this stage is covered by the fact that he knows enough of God to go without fully knowing. Andrew and Simon know enough of Jesus to leave it all behind and go follow him. And a journey, I guess, you know, implies a start. It also indicates a finish and also indicates time. To respond to the call of Jesus is to follow the leadership of Jesus, expecting change to happen, marking that there is a beginning to that journey, a destination to that journey, and a window of time with which drawing closer to Jesus will see us shaped, molded, and redeployed as those with the signature of Jesus. So to simply define what a disciple is, it's someone who responds to the call to follow, expects change is going to happen, and recognizes it's a journey. 
With all that said, I do want to just add a little bonus richer deposit, okay? Because to simply capture something sometimes runs the risk of um, you know, diluting some of those richer elements. Because whilst the disciple is all of those things we've discussed, it is also so much more. Hence the reason for our series in the first place. And if we narrow our focus to being a disciple of Jesus, there is one verse in particular, I think, in Scripture that's helpful for us to understand what it is to follow and to change and to journey. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. The call from Jesus to follow him is a call to ultimately imitate him. Whilst we cannot be the same as him, we can aspire and be changed through the power of his Holy Spirit to be like him. In regards to the destination of our journey, that is what followers of Jesus can be excited about. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. What God reveals to us through his Son in his scriptures is there for an example for us to embrace today. And that will richly call us over time to allow Jesus to shape and mold us and put his signature on us in different areas of our lives. That we as disciples of Jesus would be a reflection of Jesus. Okay, point two on the slide that we don't have. Next question is, why is Jesus worthy of our devotion? Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. If a disciple is someone who follows, expects change, recognizes something of the journey, then the question really becomes about why. Andrew and Simon, after this kind of honeymoon period phase of excitingly stepping out from their comfort zones to follow Jesus leaving their nets behind, leaving it all behind in order to pursue something of greater worth. Well, it's not too long before they start to encounter some opposition and some challenge, not only to the one they're following, but also to them as well as ones who are associated with him. Jesus wants to take them on this journey from infancy through to maturity to grow in their understanding and experience of him, to soak in everything that he has to offer. But of course, from Andrew and Simon's perspective, this will take energy and time and practice. And at times, this will be happening in the midst of challenge and opposition, like trying to drive forward against a strong current. What is it that keeps you following? What is it that enables you to make room for and pursue transformation? What is it that keeps you going on that journey? And it's here that we come back to that question of motivation. What is it that gets you up in the morning? If you ask my wife that, she'll say, very little. (laughs) What is it that makes you pick up the guitar? What is it that makes you put your running shoes on? Whilst there can be a number of incentives to do anything in life, 
when I look through the scriptures, when I look at the great challenges and the great victories, when I think of my students or that journey of learning, when I think of my own life and the experience we shared as a family, the greatest, most long-lasting, sustainable driving force behind wanting to grow in anything comes from love. And for us as Christians, the subject of our love, the object of our devotion, is Jesus. I was... Um, I was catching up with uh, Les this week. So Les is 91 years old and a beloved part of our church family and he'd actually been quite poorly with COVID. But he's coming out the other side. He's doing much better now. And he said to me that the great revelation for him was that you could turn up to church week in, week out, and the pastor could mark off your attendance. But if you did not have a real loving relationship with Jesus, you're missing the point. Devotion to Jesus is where we're starting. Because if we desire to see individuals across this whole church family grow to be robust followers of Jesus, then foundation of love is absolutely fundamental. And really, Jesus calls us, you know, in scriptures, he calls us either to be all in or all out. He doesn't call us to be in between. You can't be in between. So the question becomes, why Jesus? Why him? Why is he the subject of our love, the object of our devotion, the one who is worthy of our time, our energies, our practice? Well, we'll we'll use some scripture to get us started, okay? So... 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. So if you want to understand something of our capacity to love, the Bible says that we need to look at God's capacity to love first. For our love proceeds from his love for us. That's an interesting thing to ponder, isn't it? As a human race, we can... uh, as a human race, we can love us beautifully and disastrously. However, if God's love didn't come first, would we really know how to successfully love? Well, to be fairly frank, spoiler alert, if God's love didn't come first, then there wouldn't be a human race in the first place. To give an example, the new birth of a baby, at its best, is a beautiful example of something that's been conceived in love. In the beginning, you were conceived in love. Clearly not in the same way as humans do. But you were made, fashioned by God's hand. God breathed his breath into you and you became alive. God's love did this and God had a great love for his creation. His desire and his greatest desire, according to scripture, was to be with his creation and for his creation to be with him. To walk and to talk and to journey with him. And we understand something of the nature of that love because we are made in his image, in his likeness. We love because he loves. Maybe not perfectly, but at its best, it reflects something of him. And when you experience a perfect love like that of God's, you want to love in return, give back in the way that you've been given. Well, we'll take it up a notch. If you have your Bibles, let's read 
from Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read through from verses 15 through to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." Devotion to Jesus is not just bound to the discovery that he loves us, but is completely caught up into the revelation of who he is. It's one thing um, uh, for my mates to give me a ring and say, hey, do you fancy coming kicking a football over in the park? But if David Beckham gave me a call to have a kick around, that would totally change how I'd feel. Of course, I'd say, all right, David, yeah, I'm free. I'll come play. But I would also be caught up with different types of feelings than I would have with my friends. I'd be excited. I'd be nervous. This, would be, this is one of my footballing heroes. So I'd also go there with a sense of, I want to learn from this guy. I want to get the best from this opportunity. Jeepers, if I can feel something like that from a potential kick around with David Beckham... How much more should I feel about the one through whom and for whom all things were made? The one who is the image of the invisible God. God in his fullness being pleased to dwell in him. And the one who was there at the beginning when the universe was this this blank canvas is the same one who stepped out of the heavens onto the earth. The one who filled the universe was the one who also emptied himself. And he who was everything made himself nothing because of love. In him all things are held together, and yet he, was, you know, he gave himself to be held upon the cross. The love of God proceeding first for us created the opportunity for peace instead of hostility, hope instead of hopelessness, light instead of darkness. The disciples said of him, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this who had such authority over creation and would take my sin upon them? Clear my past. Give me a fresh start with him. What kind of love is this for me? Surely there is nothing else like it. Nothing more worthy of my devotion. He is worthy of my devotion. I want to be with him. I want to learn from him. I want to walk with him and talk with him. I want to follow him. Slide number three. What qualifies to start us to start this journey? 
What qualifies us to start this journey? It's a great little passage on Acts 4.13, talking about the apostles. It said, when they saw the apostles, the Jewish leaders, that is, it says, uh, they noticed that they were uneducated common men. Uneducated common men. The biggest notice point was they had been with Jesus. One of the beautiful encouragements we should take from the story of those disciples is the experience, those first disciples, is the experience that they carried. If you were to look at their CVs, it would, have been, it would not have been academically impressive. Of course, they had lots of skills and qualities, but in comparison to other Jews who carried like spiritual leadership responsibility, they were lacking. So when Peter and John, you know, these disciples of Jesus, are brought before the Jewish council, they, know, they knew immediately that these guys were untrained in the ways of Jewish law and theology. They did not speak the lingo or behave in a manner that demonstrated years of training. They were a bit rough and a bit raw. Well, they did recognize what they, these men had been with Jesus, that the signature of Jesus was upon them. What they said, what they did, reflected the one they had journeyed with. And that was enough to know where they stood. It is enough to know the call of Jesus upon your life. It is enough to choose to follow him. It is enough to journey with him. No academic qualifications required. However, I will say this. I do think there is a type of qualification that Jesus desires when you are considering that call to come follow him. And let me just give you two to consider, okay? Firstly, a willingness to trust. And secondly, a readiness to change. The deep devotion I have for my wife now uh, was very much in its infancy when we first met. It started uh, with me being attracted to her which grew into a great love for her, which then grew into a deep devotion for her, or deep devotion to her. That kind of devotion you know, takes time because the more time I spent getting to know her and the more things that we walked through in life together, the more I discovered the greatest respect and love that I have for her. And I think that reflects something of the way that we grow into our relationship with Jesus. It starts with an attractiveness which out of journeying with him develops into a great love. And as you walk with him through life, that again changes to a deep devotion. The more you discover about him and his love for you, the more your love and your respect for him grows. And it all starts with that willingness to trust. Not knowing all the outcomes, not having all the answers at this stage, maybe coming with a boatload of questions, I'm pretty sure my wife, or my, at the time, had a boatload of questions for me. No. Nonetheless, there is this attractiveness about Jesus that you see, and so it starts with a willingness to trust, when we might call that a step of faith. A qualification also to consider is that readiness to change. One of my friends who I used to work with, actually, um, yeah, you, you might have a friend like this, okay, always knew that God was on his case, he could recite to me all the times that God had shown up in his life, the way that God had intervened, the way that God had revealed himself. He knew, and he said this to me, he knew God was calling him 
to follow him. But he didn't want to give up that sense of who he was and his identity and the life that he was living. If you don't want to change anything about your life, don't begin a relationship with Jesus. God is in the business of transformation. Jesus was going to take Andrew and Simon, these fishermen, and transform them into men who would gather men and women through the proclamation of the gospel. These guys were going to be instrumental in helping establish, through the invitation of Jesus, the gathering of the people of God, God's church. If you're going to take that step of willingness to trust Jesus, then be prepared that you're also going to be changed by Jesus. And the testimony of my life, and really for anyone probably here as well who's devoting themselves to Jesus, is that the change that Jesus brings has been a really good thing. <laughs> Slide number four. <laughs> I don't, know how much, I don't know how long I keep that joke running now. I think we're probably coming to an end. Last one, okay. Uh, last question. How does maturity help us? 2 Peter 3.18 calls us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's land this thing really by looking at a final question, okay? How does maturity help us? How does growing in our knowledge and love for Jesus help us when navigating life? If we look at the sweep of the New Testament letters to the churches, one of the clear common threads is this urgency to help the church press into spiritual growth, to grow up into Christ, to move from infancy through to maturity in their faith. Why? Because the church were actually moving into a season of great challenge. Opposition was coming against them. Their faith was going to be tested. When Lizzie led us in prayer, we're talking about Christ followers who are in the nation of Israel are being tested and pressed and opposed. And it's maturity, deep-rooted maturity in Christ that was actually going to enable them to stand firm, enable them to navigate and press through and prevent them from being tossed to and fro like a small boat in a storm with no anchor. We are a church family that loves Jesus. That is something that we are growing all the time. And we definitely want to be all moving toward that place of being completely devoted to Jesus. You know, even here in this room, there are experienced guys and across this church family who are just that, devoted people to Jesus. Deep devotion leads to a deep commitment to grow. It's a cycle of love. The more you know, the more you discover the more you love and the more you want to continue to discover. All the while that puts roots deep into the ground that cement your devotion and your confidence in him when it comes to seasons of change. Um, just an observational point, I think, really. For me, personally, one of the greatest heartbreaks of working through a pandemic was hearing stories from other church contexts of Christian brothers and sisters walking away from church families, battered by the impact of that heavy season of COVID. And for some, it really massively uprooted their faith. That should challenge us. We're on a mission together to see disciples of all nations. It's not just a numbers game, but a willingness actually from everyone to journey with one another 
in order that we may spark one another into maturity in Jesus. He's the only true anchor in life. We need to navigate the toughest of challenges. And we want to see from young to old people loving Jesus and being robust in their faith. Amen? That when challenge comes, we stand firm, confident of the one who called us out to follow him, confident of the one who has changed us for the better, and confident of the one that we journey with. Let me ask the worship team to come. Let's stand together. So as the guys just come up, I just want you to prepare hearts, really. I think out of preparation, there are simply two things I would ask us to consider in response. And the first one is, if you've never responded to the call from Jesus to follow him, there is an invitation for you. No academic qualifications required just a willingness to trust and a readiness to change. So if you know, even this morning, that God is calling out to you, my encouragement is do not delay in dropping everything to follow him. And please come see me after if you've done that this morning. And secondly, for everyone here should be for the majority of us here, you know, who's followed that call, I think I'd like to lead us in simply expressing our wholehearted intention to pursue maturity in him. This is a devotion moment. It comes from our love for him and knowing his love for us. And whilst I was... Um, I just had this picture. I had a picture of empty wells. Let's just close our eyes for a moment, actually. I just you want to share this with you and for you to give your hearts to it. Because it might be you this morning. So I had a picture of empty wells that was across a dry land. And you might be here this morning feeling a bit dry, feeling a bit empty, but the picture was this. That as we cried out together for this pursuit of maturity together out of devotion to Jesus, God in his lavish love would pour out vast amounts of water that would fill the land. And by default of filling the land, it would pour into the wells that were empty. And that this really was a picture of overflow, that, the, that as we cried out together the blessing would come to the land, to our communities, as well as restoring and refreshing us. Mature saints who are able to stand firm in all seasons because of their confidence and growth in Jesus. Lord, I just pray, Lord, 
on our behalf, really, Lord, as a whole church family, God. And that those of us who have responded to that call to follow you would be concerned with pressing into maturity with you. And in fact, the more that we discover of you in that cycle of love, the more that we'll want to know you more and the more our roots will grow deep over time because of our heart and desire to journey with you as you desire to journey with us. And I pray, Lord God, that as we commit ourselves to this, Lord, our aspiration to be devoted to you and therefore become robust, faith-filled followers of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would lavish a blessing upon the land and communities that we're a part of. You would pour out that living water across the land because, God, we're not just here for us. We're here for the people, Lord, you've called to yourself, who have yet to call to yourself, uh, who have yet to cross the line of faith, Lord. And so, God, would you, in your grace, Lord, lavish living water upon our communities and at the same time, God, we thank you for the way that you will restore and refresh and fill us as well. So as we respond in worship, Lord Jesus, we just offer ourselves afresh to you again. We know it's a long-term investment, but we want to say that we're willing because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.